KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Good morning and welcome along to the show this Friday the 8th of September. If you're interested in the time, it's just gone five past ten, but more people interested in the weather. Another scorching start to a day. Record temperatures forecast uh, for particularly uh, northwest Kilkenny of all places, uh, predicted to get it maybe as high as 31 degrees today. The weather will be on everybody's minds and for the right reasons for once. Alan O'Reilly of Carlow Weather. He'll be here a little bit later on the show uh, to tell us what we can expect for the weekend. We've got that and lots more besides. Of course, you can always free phone us on 1800 You can text or WhatsApp us on our Dinners Ready text and WhatsApp line. That's 083 306 9696 or our email address as always is KCLR Live at KCLR96FM.com. And you can use those contact numbers for anything if you just want to tell us what you're up to, if there's something on your mind, or if you've got comments on any of the guests that we're talking to today, do let us know. Um, but first of all, earlier on this morning, before we came on air, because the Green Party leader, Minister Eamon Ryan, is in Kilkenny today for a meeting with the County Council, and he's also going to visit Tierlon. Um, he popped in for a chat to us, and um, let's hear what Minister Eamon Ryan had to say. So, Minister Eamon Ryan, um, thank you for visiting Kilkenny, and thanks for popping in to us today. Obviously, a main part of your visit is to pop along to the County Council and get some sort of insight as to how they're getting on with the Climate Action Plan. Um, what would be the key things that you'd like to see uh, coming up in the Climate Action Plan for the Council here? Well, the first thing would be listening and sharing my own kind of thoughts. People will know, the listeners will, well, first of all, like we, if anyone after this summer comes back and says, oh, are you sure this climate change is real? Um, this summer has blown that out of the water. I mean, look at the temperatures today. Look at the fact that there's flooding in Hong Kong, there's flooding in Greece, there's flooding everywhere at the one time. And we have to take action now. I think a vast majority of Irish people agree with that. Vast, vast majority. And it doesn't change between rural and urban, rich, poor, young, old. I think everyone realises that the world is at risk and we have to act. So what are we doing? Well, um, two years ago, we wrote a very strong climate law that puts us, do, says what we have to do uh, as part of the international agreements we've signed. But also, it'll have to be good for us. Like, we won't do it if it's a punishment thing or if it's if it's a hardship thing. So we know we have to have our emissions in a decade and go carbon-free pretty much, or net zero, they call it, by the 2050, the middle of this decade. And we can do it. Um, what the law said is that by the next February, each local authority will also have to develop its own plan. So mm. that's why I'm going around to local authorities. As I said, listening and also sharing experience We've resourced, we've, we've provided the staff now for every council in the country to help it. And, and so I'd be, I suppose we'd be listening and looking, where is the big emissions, or how can we reduce emissions? It'll be in the areas in energy, transport, agriculture, waste, how we, um, uh, circular economy, you know, consuming less in a clever way. And those councils and those towns and those counties that are good at it, are the ones that I think are going to thrive and succeed in this world because this is the way the world is going and it has to go. And, and I think Ireland, we can and will be good at it. And I suppose my job as Minister for the Environment 
is is to listen, work with people, pull people together to make it happen. I mean, obviously, the latest edition of that climate action plan was published, I think, in December of last year. Um, how was that plan amended, for example, from previous editions? And uh, what were the key new features added, given that things are changing constantly? It does keep changing. I think in the last iteration, I mean, there's a lot of progress being made on energy. Like, it, it is really starting to work. Because, and we have a huge advantage in energy because we can switch to renewable power. So in the previous year, we had put in kind of the sort of measures that are now working, the likes of retrofitting, like really big increase in the grants, um, committing to develop offshore wind, which we're on track to do now, um, switching to solar. Like, there, there's a revolution taking place, not just in Ireland, but across the world. But even in cloudy Ireland, uh, solar is, excuse the pun, going through the roof. So that was probably the first major development. Last year, there was a lot of focus on transport and and kind of trying to look at how can we switch towards a low carbon system and have a better transport system. Mm. So committing to the kind of you know, investment in public transport to um, to managing demand to try and reduce the volume of traffic and and in that way make it work better for everyone, but also reduce our emissions. Um, and it'll keep evolving each year. I mean, this this November, December, we have a real challenge in land use and in, in how we store some of the carbon in our forestry, in our peat bogs, and so on. So that that'll be probably be the kind of the you know that we we have a big body of work to do now in the next few months to complete that. And 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 the idea is that it keeps you learn by doing. You admit uncertainties. Like, you know, how you make change is not easy and you're best to do it in a way which is collaborative and which is saying, OK, we'll try this and and then if that doesn't work, we'll adjust. And and so that kind of annual plan which keeps changing, I think, is the right way to go. We'll talk about transport again in a moment, but just to go back to the point about renewables, um, we have such access to so many of those renewable potential sources of energy. Could you ever see a situation where, in the same way that Norway, for example, has benefited from the oil industry and the energy that it generates through that form, where Ireland could become not just a European leader, but a global leader in in the production of of renewable energy. We're already there. You know, and people may be surprised at that, but we have a lot of onshore wind. People Mm. can see across the country turbines. And that represents... What about the offshore stuff? That's coming. But what we've done is we've learned onshore how you integrate that sort of variable power supply to meet our needs. And in that learning, as I said, we're probably one of the world-leading countries. You're right. The, the opportunity now is to go offshore, and the scale of the resource is what's incredible. We're, we're a small island. Our sea area is about seven times our land area, and it happens to be in one of the windiest places on the planet. And wind energy and solar, I suppose, are the two that are really taking off. And the economics uh, of that now make it the cheapest form of power. Like we have high energy prices at the moment, like it's tough because of the war in Ukraine, but also because we're dependent on imported fossil fuels. We're running at about 40% renewables. Within eight years, that'll be up to about 80% our own power, our own renewable power. And that then will start to bring the price down and then gives us an opportunity, as you say, to become an energy exporter, to do what Norway does with gas and oil. We will do with wind power and we will. I'm going to London on Monday. I'll be talking to the UK minister about building more interconnections so that we can uh, balance our system with the UK and sell into the UK market. We have a similar interconnector we're building with France. So, uh, And the, ban- the benefit of those interconnectors is 
that when it's calm here, when there isn't a windy day, you can import power to meet your needs. Mm. So, so I think we're on track for that. I think it's inevitable. I think in the energy part of the transition, actually, it's just a matter of how quick because because it is, it's where all the money's going. It's where all the technological development is happening, all the expertise is. So it's going to happen in energy. The really challenging areas is probably going to be in transport and agriculture yeah, yeah. because they're... They're harder to change. They're kind of part of patterns that we've put in place are, are kind of uh, over decades and therefore it's not as easy to reverse. But but they too will have to change. But energy is happening. We've come to uh, agriculture, obviously a huge point of interest here in Kilkenny and Carla. But what would you say to people who, when we comment on uh, the Green Party's approach to, to trying to get people into public transport, that it's probably impractical um, for most people and certainly impossible for many people, if, particularly if you're living outside of the M50. I mean, you know, people travelling around Kilkenny and Carlow, the bus routes, the interconnectivity of those transport systems just don't sit with people's day-to-day lives. I'll go back to what I was saying earlier on to start there. This won't work if it isn't if it isn't better for people. Like we're mm, not going absolutely. to do this in terms of saying you know, how dare or you're the problem or you. It'll only work if it's better, and that is like. Well, when we introduced a, a new bus service in Kilkenny, town service, I think everyone in Kilkenny would agree that's been a huge success. Yeah, La- they are. I mean, we've got the interconnector route going up um, up towards Carlow, and Carlow Town now has its own bus route going in there. I was I was just going to say, Carlow Town, I, I the privilege to open, to launch that uh, uh, the month before last. And actually, I can see how Carlow Town could turn towards a much more sustainable transport system reasonably quickly. We, we, we have some active travel projects where we want to make it safe for people to get out to the university, uh, connecting up the, the town centre in, in a kind of new way with that new bus service. But would, so, you, would, you, would you agree, though, that for many people, and it may just simply be a logistic issue that takes years or decades to get over, that for many people public transport, certainly outside of Dublin, um, is not practical with their well, day-to-day lives. We've, we're introducing a new rural bus service every week. Mm. We started about two years ago. The first service we put in was, it was around the Ring of Kerry, sorry, the Slayhead Peninsula on the Dingle Peninsula in Kerry. And it turned from what was a kind of a really infrequent service and something that was reliable, regular, cheap. And it was incredible. We've seen something like a 20-fold increase in passenger numbers. So when you provide a good service, people want it, particularly younger people. That service has now been used. People get to football training, get out for a night, get to work, get to college. So if you provide the service, the Irish people are flocked to it. And, and that sort of one week, every week, a new world service we're going to deliver. Well, the other reason I'd say, just, I was saying to chatting before we, we just went on air, yeah. um, like I was watching this traffic this morning coming into Kilkenny, like on the Carla Road, on the Dublin Road, like... The alternative where, everyone, where there isn't that public transport system and where everyone has to drive doesn't work for anyone. It, I mean, I'm sure people noticed this morning, you know, the volumes of traffic are back because schools are back, because yep. everything's doing well, you know, the, the economy's doing well, people are employment. So if everyone is, doesn't have the choice, well, then you get gridlock. You know, and that doesn't work for anyone. So that's why in government... We're switching the expenditure as much as much as we can towards public transport to make it safe to walk and cycle because we think that's actually a better solution for everyone because when people who can use and it's not pointing the finger at anyone who's in a car it's not mm. it's not going to work if it's kind of blaming change. But I think that's the, the 
impression that maybe people have. And I know you're obviously passionate about the environment, and many people at home are passionate about mm. the environment. But do you think it's, from a Green Party's perspective specifically, it's those smaller, and they're all they're all big in their own right, I know, mm. but it's those smaller practical challenges that may be the thing that turn people away from, from some of those larger and more important scale objectives. Well, if you if people turn away, that's their choice. But 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 it's not our job is to try and provide it so that it's easier to make this switch. Not as I said to turn it into a moral issue or into a finger pointing issue and turn blame issue. Mm. It's to make sure that we do to develop and design our country in a way that works for everyone, that is socially just, that is effective. You know that we we have a good functioning economy. We can provide for our our, our prosperity. And I don't think that's impossible. I, I think actually the risk is if we don't make that leap we would fall behind mm. and, and um, it wouldn't be as attractive a country. So that's the way we have to go. In a large part of your visit today is obviously heading out to Tierlon later on this afternoon to discuss how we produce food. I mean, how well is Ireland doing in that regard compared to its counterparts, especially given the importance of the agri-sector to our own economy? We have the real potential. It's not just potential, it's a reality because we have, we're, we're blessed with a very mild climate with a very long grass growing season and a pastoral system, a grass fed out in the field system that is much more, in my mind, sustainable in terms of animal welfare and in terms of the impact on the environment. You know, compared versus you have a big in China and in America, even massive feedlot where you're shipping soya meal up from Brazil and you're, uh, you know, cattle 10,000 to a lot and, and you've yeah. got big water issues. We don't have that. We have the real, and we have a family farming system, which is small farmers. I mean, relative to those international Texas ranchers with, you know, 20,000 cattle, ours are small. Uh, but, and so I think we do have a real advantage and a real potential. And now we have to make sure, uh, and sorry, the potential to trade on an origin green brand, which is what we're doing. Now, in doing that, we have to make sure that we're really green. We have to make sure that our waters are clean. That, you know, there has been, we've lost, like every part of the world, we've seen a deterioration in our environment. We've seen, we've gone from something like 500 pristine water systems down to 20. Mm. That's come back slightly recently. There is hope. And um, I was talking to my colleague Malcolm Noonan last night. Um, when you give nature the chance to come back, like the likes of the sight of those ospreys coming back, which feed off the water, you know, they're, they're birds of prey which catch the trout off, the, off clean water rivers. They're coming back when you do turn that around. Nature comes back quietly. And I think the advantage or the future for Irish farming, and I think I'm absolutely certain Tierlon agree with this, um, is, is, is in that origin green direction. I think there are various principles to it. Firstly, I think we should de do and design everything in our farming to protect the family farming system. I think it's the bedrock of our rural communities. I think it's the, it's the strength of our rural communities. So therefore, we shouldn't go towards a system. I mean, at the moment, it's hard to get young people into farming, mm. particularly maybe in the more marginal farming areas. You know, obviously in dairy, there's a real, you can make a very good living while well, the prices come down, I know, recently, but in, in recent years, <laughs> oh, you know... Oh, watch the text lines light up now. Oh, no, yes, <laughs> we're fully aware of that. But at the same time, you know, there is a real, um, there can has been a very good income in recent years from the dairy sector, less so in some of the other. I mean, vast majority of Irish farms are not making that sort of revenue. So we do have to look and think how do we get this right for every part of the country. Uh, and I think we can do that. I think there are technological developments in farming which 
give us an opportunity. This, I know I'm, I'm going into the technical details here, but you know, this mixed ward grassland management, yeah. where instead of having a, a kind of single species ryegrass, which you grow with a lot of nitrogen fertilizers, you switch to you have a, s- a series of different grass types and clovers and other plants which have deeper roots and which are more resilient because they can survive in by uh, either drought conditions or heavy rain conditions, and which all the evidence is now showing lines of state up up in UCD showing the results that it fits cattle quicker about six weeks earlier much better much um, better economics because the farmer doesn't have to spend so much on those artificial fertilizers and much better for biodiversity so uh, I'm sure Tierlan I know that they they kind of agree that that sort of direction is where we is is where we need to go and I know it's been very contentious like there's a lot of debate and distrust mistrust or whatever our job is to try and work through that work work with farming communities it won't work if it's if it's uh, someone telling someone yeah. it has to be us working together helping each other to create that kind of more sustainable better paid better income like that's the first kind of thing we need to optimize so that we do get a whole generation of young people into farming let's move on to talk then i suppose about the future the future of the green party i mm. mean with the boundary redraws and you know different parties talking about uh, nominations for various different seats around the country it almost feels like the starting gun is fired on on the next general election cycle uh, polls recently haven't been great for the green party are we going to see history repeat itself where the uh, junior party in a coalition government is the first to suffer in a subsequent election? I hope not, because I think we are delivering a government what we said we would in the last manifesto, uh, right across very different areas. Um, and I think those what we're delivering is good for people. And like what Roderick O'Gorman has delivered in lower childcare fees is something I think people are really grateful for. What uh, Pip Hackett just agreed develop, uh, delivered the other day in terms of a new forestry programme is really f- fundamental. What Catherine Martin delivered in uh, a basic art, a basic income scheme for artists is, is transformative, as well as what we're doing in transport and uh, all those new public transport services I mentioned earlier. Um, I don't think our focus should be on that first, though. I think we have a job to do in government for another year and a half. Mm. I think this government should go to the full term in May, in March 2025. I, I think we have a lot of housing projects we want to deliver, a, a lot of healthcare reform, as well as what we're doing on climate and elsewhere. And do you think Cabinet would be in, in favour of pushing a possible general election out till that time? I think that's a call for the Taoiseach because it is the Taoiseach's prerogative under constitution. But my advice to him would be we should go the full term. I think as well, one of the reasons behind that, um, we have local and European elections next uh, June. They're important. Like we could all trip ourselves up, kind of, you know, who's going to form the next government a year and a half's time and miss actually what's the big picture. Who's going to, loc- who's going to be in government in Kilkenny next uh, July? In my mind, is the really interesting question. Well, what sort of Kilkenny or Carlo do we want? You know, what sort of what's the choices there? And those that vote is the important one. I, I I think we. I mean, yes, the boundary commission was important, and yes, we have to know what the doll constituencies are, and that's fine. But actually, I think our focus is on should be and will be on the local and European elections because there's a huge amount or impact in our lives that depend on those sort of decisions at a local level. How our towns, where we build social housing, how we manage our, our, our local transport system, that's a council decision. Yeah. And, and therefore, I think the focus should be on that first and foremost. And then a year or nine months after that, we can have a general election. 
Well, thank you for your time this morning, Green Party Leader, Minister Eamon Ryan. Enjoy the rest of your trip thank to Kenny, and uh, I'm sure it won't be that long before we talk to you again. No, no. Minister Eamon Ryan joining us just before we came on air there this morning. Um, lots of text messages coming in during that interview. Um, very weighted in one particular direction, just to give you a little bit of a flavour of some of them. The, the Greens have turned their backs on the very people who elected them. Coal briquettes, oil, ESB, all out of control, says one listener. He said that any change shouldn't be a punishment or hardship. How can you explain the doubling of the price of smokeless coals, etc.? Continuing on to the discussion around transport, those buses in Kilkenny City are far too large for our narrow streets. Crazy hold-up in traffic each evening outside the theatre on Irish Town. Uh, They should be electric too, says Anne. Um, Tell Eamon Ryan it's dangerous to cycle on some of the roads and lots of people interested to know how Eamon Ryan got here today. Um, I, I can't testify to that to be quite honest with you. I didn't see him pull up whether it was in a car or on a bicycle. I think it would probably be unfair to expect him to cycle all the way from Dublin. Um, but nevertheless, he is here in Kilkenny all day to lo- day today. And um, I'm sure we'll find out more of what he had to say when he met the councillors and indeed representatives from Tierland right throughout the afternoon. 25 past 10. Uh, we'll be back with you in just a moment. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. Very welcome back to KCLR Live, the text and WhatsApp line. Should you uh, continue wishing to comment on the interview with Minister Eamon Ryan this morning, 083 306 96. A couple of little bits of housekeeping to do. Uh, water outage taking place in the Inishdig area today due to that uh, burst water mains. Water will be off uh, today from 9am to 2pm. The areas affected are Kilcross, Berry Hill in Inishdig, County Kilkenny and moving on to a similar situation in the Bal Tarsney and Mooncoin area. Um, that is again due to a burst water mains water off there from 8am but like the Inishdig area due back on at 2. Kilkenny County Council and Ishka Aaron apologise as always uh, for any inconvenience caused. Now... Moving on, in the next 10 minutes, we'll be chatting with uh, Harry Ewing, professional golfer, catching up on all things going on at the Irish Open. And a really interesting uh, guest joining us uh, just after 10.30, Alan Bannon. He's the founder of the Cannonball. Now, we're not talking about the uh, 1980s movie. The Cannonball is a whole series of motoring events that not only are they responsible for some of the flashiest cars you can ever imagine visiting various parts of the country, they also raise a huge amount of money for charity. Alan will be joining us in a few moments' time. But first, the dragons have landed. And we're not talking about a new series of Game of Thrones. Who knew, no, Because Carlo Dragon Boat Club, they're competing in Italy and joining us live from Italy, Mairead Maddock of Carlo Dragon Boat Club. Good morning. Good morning, Mairead. How are you? Ciao, Bella. Ciao, Bella. Come <laughs> stai? Tutto bene? See, that's me just showing off. I actually spent quite a lot of time in Italy. I can speak just enough Italian for anybody who doesn't know Italian to be very slightly impressed and yet not enough for anybody who is Italian to be impressed. But anyway, uh, you're out well, in Italy. Impressed, Thank you very much. That's all that matters to me at this moment in time. Mairead, how is Italy treating you? Yeah, we're we're really having a wonderful time here in Italy. We came out to take part in the um, European um, Club Crew Championships, the Dragon Boats, in um, in Ravenna. We're just south of Ravenna here, and um, there's a, a fantastic event going on um, over here. So it's it's colourful, 
it's bright, it's energetic, and the weather is wonderful. Well, it's wonderful so, here yeah. as well, Mairead. You picked the wrong weekends yeah, to go so away. <laughs> but listen, yeah. tell us first of all, right, because lots of people listening this morning, what is a dragon boat? Well, dragon boating kind of has come really from China, and they're long boats. So um, for us now, we would have 20 paddlers in, a, and we call them paddlers, not, not rowers. And we have 20 paddlers in a boat. We then have um, Elm who steers the boat, and we have a drummer. So the drummer uh, pounds out the pace as we're racing. So we have 20-man boats, um, but there are also 10-man boats. And um, it's become quite a sport in Ireland now as well. Um, there's a good number of, of clubs around Ireland, and we have a good number of um, of regattas and that throughout yeah. the year. But um, we're here now for the, the um, 19th European Championships in Ravenna, and um there are 20 European countries. There's, let me see. Yeah, 90 clubs wow. taking part. So it's a, it is a huge event. We had an opening, um, the opening of it the other night, and there was like a parade of all the countries and flags and everything. Just very, very impressive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm right. Are you a paddler yourself? Indeed I am, yeah. I've been I, paddling in Carlo now for 10 years. <laughs> and I often wonder, you know, when you're in the boat paddling away, do you occasionally look up at the drummer and go, here you, will you slow down a little bit? I'm killing myself. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and then you're kind of saying, if you need a bit of energy, you're saying, pound harder. <laughs> <laughs> so the drummer is a very important member of the team. Well, listen, it sounds like great fun, but I mean, how seriously do you guys take the competition? Oh, pretty seriously, Brian, pretty seriously. We we would be training, we would have trained probably um, a minimum of four times a week now for the last the last number of months. Um, we generally have training in the club. We have it twice a week. We have it on Saturdays and Sundays um, all year round. And then during the summer, during the, when we have the fine evenings, we also get out on a Wednesday evening. And then for this competition here, the crew was going out most Friday evenings as well. And a lot of people have their own individual boats as well. So there's, there's quite a bit of work goes into it. I'll say what the first question came to mind was when I heard you guys were going to Italy was, do you have to bring your own boat with you? I mean, we saw Mr. O'Leary getting pie-faced yesterday. I, I, I can imagine <laughs> rocking up to the check-in at the Ryanair desk or something with a, a dragon boat. So they obviously provide with you with the boat locally. Boat, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. There's a, there's lovely boats here at, this, at the venue. That <laughs> whatever venue they provide the boats. Now, I mean, when we do our our competitions in Ireland, you would generally have just three lanes of racing. But here, I think they had they have seven lanes, so you have a lot of boats going out. And um, I think I was saying to you, yes, we have ten man competitions and we have um, yeah. twenty man competitions. So we're, it's a ten man team that we have out ourselves at the moment. We do bring our own paddles, however. Oh, the paddles are personal. Everybody has paddle, their own paddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And Mairead, how have the races been going? I, I think you've had your first race already, but more still to come. We did. We they, we had um, the. Um, 200 metres yesterday and so we took part in um, 
two heats of that. We came fourth in each, so we didn't quite make the final of the 200 metres, but we're out again tomorrow now in the 500 metres, so we'll be we'll be given that sock now first thing in the morning. I'm already very early mornings for us. Would you be better now at the, the long stay? Like the, are you somebody who's got the stamina for the 100 metres more than the speed of the 200? Yeah, I think I'm hoping now that that that'll hold to be tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, listen, uh, that we. It sounds like it's great fun, apart from obviously being a serious competitive endeavour as well. I mean, you've got your own Facebook pages and everything. So if somebody's listening to us this morning and thinks, "God, I fancy you go and Mairead's uh, Dragon Boat," um, how's the best way to get in contact with the club? Yeah. We're always we're always welcoming new paddlers, so you can drop us an email at carlodragonboats at gmail dot com, or just Google Carlo Dragonboat, and um, you'll come onto the website. So that's probably the best way to get in touch, touch with us, or come down to the Carlo Town Park on a Saturday morning at eight fifteen, or a Sunday morning at eight forty five, and uh, we always welcome new faces. Absolutely sounds fast. fantastic. Uh, keep the fun up and uh, good luck for the rest of the races. That is uh, Mairead Maddock of Carlo Dragon Boat Club. Another hugely competitive event taking place this weekend, of course, is the Irish Open Golf Tournament taking place in the K-Club. And joining us now to check in with how everybody's going and to look forward to the two days of the weekend ahead after the second round today. Uh, Carlo, professional golfer, how are you and good morning, Harry. Good morning. How are you? Are you well? Uh, well, the weather is absolutely fantastic. What a weekend for golf. Yeah, fantastic weather, I believe. I'm away at the moment. I have a golf tournament over in the Netherlands, but I think very similar weather from, from what I see back home and, and a fantastic second round in, in progress in the K-Club. And we have huge local interest in recently turned professional Matt Power, who obviously played in the Walker Cup only last week, turned professional this week and has himself nicely up the leaderboard. He's currently inside the top 10 this morning. Yeah, he's got a great start yesterday. Two birdies and an eagle, bringing him to four under par. And he's just gone through. He started on the 10th this morning. Um, so he's just played the 16th hole. So through six holes this morning, a further one under par. That sort of solidifying of that first day position is probably what he would have been hoping for. And it looks like it's going that way. Yeah, very much so. And I think, look, in, in, in a way, I suppose, when you shoot a good score in your first professional round, your first professional tournament, and then you don't have to wait terribly long to get going in round two. So he, obviously he was out late yesterday, out early this morning. I think that's a big help. He didn't have a whole lot of time to think about it really and back out there early this morning and obviously playing nicely, as you say, on that on that back nine, his front nine, but up into a tie for seventh on Thunder Power. Look, the lead is is a fairly exceptional position. Shibanka Sharma, he shot seven under yesterday. Thanks, Harry. I'm glad you took that name on and not me <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've rehearsed it many times believe me but he's he's on fire again this morning four under par for his round so far he's actually minus just gone 11 is the just, he's just five. gone to five yeah yeah. he's now minus 12 is the lead four clear of uh, Johansson who's in second place with uh, eight under he's two under today but moving on to the big Irish names I mean hopefully Mark Power will get up there eventually um, in, in the golfing folklore with the likes of a Rory McIlroy or Shane Lowry. Shane, solid start yesterday, four under. Yeah, very solid. I'm sure he'd be very happy with that. I think Shane possibly, on a, on a small level, might feel that he has a point to prove after getting his pick. There was some 
kind of a chat about whether how much he deserved it and how much Adrian Moronk was unlucky not to get the peak. That's neither here nor there. But both had to go out yesterday and obviously for different reasons wanted to prove a point and, and great for Lowry that he did. A very solid four under par 68. And he's out there this afternoon now at lunchtime and he'll be looking to build on that. Obviously, look, he's great history with this event, winning it as an amateur. He's made some, no secret of the fact that he'd love to win it as a professional as well. And, and you know, We'll talk about Ryder Cup picks in a second, but I think he's a, a gritty competitor. I think he's proved enough in the big, big tournaments this year with his performances. Yes, his overall consistency, and more so of late, has been slightly patchy, but I think uh, Shane will be fine. I think in, in that environment, he's had the experience of it once before, and I think the captain back then and the backroom team staff vice captains must have seen enough about the guy to say that he's adaptable can play with a range of players he's probably I say a very good personality within the team room and yeah. sometimes funny enough when a captain has picks as he did six picks Luke Donald had to make it's not always about just purely your golfing form at that time I think there's many different ingredients go into it Absolutely I mean personality determination grit all that type of stuff it's probably the type of characteristics that kept the likes of, for example, Ian Poulter and Ryder Cup teams, maybe you know one or two Ryder Cups beyond um, his world ranking would have suggested he'd been in there. No doubt Shane will bring that to the team as well. Two other big Irish names just to touch on before we finish. Paddy, one of my favourites of all time. I love Parry Carrington. Not a great start yesterday, minus one, but going better today. Two under for the round, uh, bringing him to minus one for the tournament so far this morning. Yeah, he's playing solid there this morning. And again, look, conditions are perfect. I believe the rough over there this week is, is quite juicy. So provided you can keep it on the fairway, that golf course is there for the take. And I'm not terribly surprised to see the scoring at the top end of the leaderboard. But it just shows you Harrington will need to keep going for his back nine. He's right on the cut number right now. If he if he stays where he is, he should just about make it. But hopefully two under, as you say, through eight holes this morning. He looks to be playing some nice golf there this morning. Hopefully he can keep that going and make sure that he gets safe passages into the weekend obviously for the whole success and atmosphere there over the weekend we want as many Irish in contention or, or safely true to make the weekend anyway and, and there's enough of them playing there this week and seem to be playing steady enough so far that that will be the case and we've just done something amazing Harry we've gotten four minutes into an interview about the Irish Open Golf Tournament and we haven't mentioned Rory McIlroy once yet about time to do so uh, good start yesterday not quite as strong as Shane Larry finishing at minus three but he's not out until the afternoon um, do you think he'll be looking forward to an afternoon where he can really push on to challenge for the weekend yeah and like I said you know when you're when you're out in the afternoon and you can sit around all morning he might end up watching a little bit of the coverage this morning but he's going to see a golf course that's yielding plenty of birdies and that in itself puts its own pressure he knows he'll have to shoot probably five six under par today to really get himself kind of inside the top 10 maybe so that's a pressure in itself but look he's Rory McIlroy you know we we know what he can do and he's going to have huge support there this weekend so yeah it'll be interesting for anyone that's going this afternoon or watching on TV it'll be nice to, to follow the likes of McIlroy and Larry's out I think within 10 minutes of each other there so a couple of great matches to watch in the afternoon Yeah there'll be a few fellas and ladies around Kilkenny and Carlo and indeed Kildare knocking off work a little bit early, <laughs> early this afternoon not going back after lunchtime and heading the way of the K Club uh, Harry thanks for joining us this morning I believe you're on with the lads at Scoreline tomorrow Shane around about 4 o'clock uh, keeping abreast of things as they continue Harry Ewing uh, professional golfer thanks for joining us on the show this morning it's 19 minutes to 11 o'clock now we We'll be back in just a moment when we'll be talking about cannonballs. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. 
Good afternoon. Well, not good afternoon. Good morning. Just gone uh, a quarter to 11 this morning. I was talking cannonballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people don't know what cannonballs are. Well, we all know what cannonballs are, but in its truest form, uh, cannonball founder Alan Bannon will tell us how a whole series of motoring events is not only responsible for bringing a record number of Lamborghinis and other flash expensive supercars to our shores, but also raising huge amounts of money, millions of euros for charity. He joins us on the show this morning. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, and thank you for the introduction. Uh, well, listen, give people who don't know about Cannonball a little bit of an insight into what it is and how it started. Cannonball is an organised road trip that takes place once a year. Uh, we have a lot of supercars taking part, a lot of sports cars, and some novelty cars. So it's like a big event that will come in to a town. We have over the years grown it so we have like screens and entertainment and a dj so everybody's there to see the cars we'll have over 200 cars taking part in this year's event and um, so it's quite a spectacle a lot of the participants will go in fancy dress so it's a very colorful high energy event to finish in uh, each town over the three days uh, next weekend it started for me in 2009 as an idea i had to raise money for a charity and it's just evolved every year it's got bigger we we tweak it every year a little bit so it's a very colorful exciting event i suppose for people to get an idea of what's in store this year if you'll see all the photographs on our instagram uh, of all the cars so lots of ferraris lamborghinis porsches maseratis powerful cars like that with um, a lot of um you know excitement around the finish lines and of course the finish line for the whole event this year happening right here in kilkenny Indeed. So we've been to Kilkenny twice previously, so it's great now to come back. We have, um, thankfully, we've had a great uh, reception to the whole whole event. Uh, We've got a lot of support from Kilkenny County Council and the local Gardaí to ensure it runs smoothly. Um, And at 6pm on Sunday the 17th, that's where the excitement is going to be. We've uh, been very lucky. We've got some support from our sponsors, Circle K, to give out some goodies, Apache Pizza. So come down, get a free slice of pizza, bring the phone and take some photographs of the cars. It's free. The only thing we ask is for people to donate into the buckets um, for our charity, which is Jack and Jill this year. And how much money has the Cannonball raised over it, it, its number of years? Go back a few years now, Alan, isn't it? 2009 was the first year we've set it up and we've run events every year with the exception of 2020 because of COVID. Yeah. Since we started in 2009, uh, we hit just over 1.5 million earlier this year with a smaller event that we, we organized called Retro Cannonball for Classic Cars. So that's a very proud moment. My goal when I set up originally was to raise a million. I thought it was very adventurous. Um, and when we hit that figure um, on one of our events, it was very much right, let's go now and keep it going now for the next the next million. But um, it's a lot of money. Um, we've worked with a lot of charities over the years, Irish children's charities. And there's so many deserving charities and we get inundated with emails and phone calls. And we tend to partner with a charity for two years. But the thing about Jack and Jill is they have families all over Ireland. And there's going to be families who be at the finish line and we have a lovely reserved area for Jack and Jill families to see the cars so you know it's a big part of what we do um, as well as put on a big show the the, the charitable side is very important to us we would ask people when they come down please donate into the buckets and uh, 
you know, every bit helps. And I mean, as you said, the type of cars that that you see, you, these are not cars that you're going to be, you know, be parking next to in, in your local Tesco car park. I mean, you're talking about some of the most expensive, some of the most high profile, some of the most powerful cars in the world. For the for the car fans out there, young and old, give us a little bit of an insight as to what type of vehicles have registered for this year. Well, this is a very exciting year for Cannonball. Um, we're very determined to set a record. We will have the most amount of Lamborghinis in Ireland at any one time. Um, we have almost 30 cars registered for the event. And there's a couple of guys talking about swapping cars over. When we, when we said what we're trying to do, there's a bit of competition out there to try and get us up to over 30. But 30 Lamborghinis driving in a convoy around Ireland. Uh, we believe it's the first time it's ever happened mm. and um, in addition to that we have lots of Ferraris we have some novelty cars as well we have an American police car we have uh, an amazing uh, military tank um, that's road legal and then we have the usual Porsches Aston Martins McLarens with some really nice McLarens in there as well uh, an SLR and um, yeah, I mean, again, on our Instagram, you will see a lot of the accepted cars and give you an idea, but it won't disappoint. You know, there's, there's an amazing lineup, a very colorful display of cars going to pass through the finish line in Kilkenny City on the Sunday evening. Yeah, I mean, it sounds fantastic. Um, you, I know also, as you mentioned earlier on, that you've got a 4x4 event coming up a little bit later in the year, the 10th to 11th. This sounds really interesting. Overland 4x4 adventure. Um, if anybody's interested in doing that, I know a lot of our listeners out there would be very into their 4x4s. Um, that's coming up. You can rec- register now and check it out on Cannonball's website, cannonball.ie. Just finally, Alan, congratulations on the event. Congratulations on registering and, uh, and raising all of that money. Out of all of those cars that are coming this year, what's the one that Alan Bannon is dying to get his backside into? Oh, well, thank you for that. I'd say, I mean, I'm a Lamborghini fan. I love them. And if I had a choice to get anything over the weekend, it would probably be one of the Lamborghini SPJs. Um, I had the chance to drive Cannonball in one a few years ago not an SVJ but a Lamborghini S and it's amazing I mean it's such an experience so I would be a huge Lamborghini fan and the year that's in it it's pretty much you know there's a big emphasis on Lamborghini so that and um, believe it or not some of the some of the fun stuff like we have a Rolls Royce coming over branded as the Royal Family we have NYPD <laughs> car. that's the fun I mean, the, the, the fun the, the fun is in people who go the extra mile yeah. to get into fancy dress and team their cars We've had a Pope mobile on it, and that was fun as well. And that <laughs> car, I think, probably cost the lads about 6000 to get uh, on the road. So um, anybody who wants to be a little bit creative with a, with a novelty vehicle, can we do so. see join us next year. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds fast, fantastic. Well, listen, congratulations on all the work that you've done so far uh, coming to Ireland uh, between the 15th and 17th of September. Check out all the details on cannonball.ie. I, I might have to pop on myself. Sounds like a fantastic event. I can imagine the noise of all them screaming uh, Lamborghinis in and around Kilkenny Castle. Uh, it'll be fantastic. Good, fun day out. Thanks for joining us this morning. Alan Bannon, um, founder of Cannonball. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. You're welcome back. Seven minutes to 11 this Friday morning. I did say afternoon earlier on, but that's probably just one of them Freudian slips because I think we're all looking forward uh, to kicking off the weekend with the weather. That is planned. Alan O'Reilly joining us just after 11 o'clock to tell us what we can expect. But are you getting married? 
I'm not making a proposal, no, but if you're looking to choose your rings, come along to our Casey Law Wedding Showcase evening, which takes place at the Medieval Mile on Thursday, the 28th of September. And indeed, ask the experts, because each day between now and then, we'll be hearing from wonderful local experts who will be exhibiting at the event. Today, it's the turn of jewellers, Laurie Matt, our very own ethnic quirk, spoke to them a little bit earlier on this morning. These rocks don't lose their shape Diamonds are a girl's best friend I'm joined by Rita Shanahan of Laurie Matulers. Rita, thanks for joining us. You're going to be at our wedding showcase coming up on the 28th at the Medieval Mile. I sure am and I cannot wait to meet all the couples. How is the wedding business going for you? Yeah, it's very busy. We're in the throes of wedding season and we have loads of couples coming in to organise their wedding rings for both this year and planning ahead for next year. You obviously stock wedding rings, engagement rings there. Yeah, we do. So we are at the very beginning stages for couples looking to get their engagement ring. So we go from promise rings to engagement rings to wedding rings and then on further again to eternity rings. Lots of sparkle there. Are couples coming together to purchase engagement rings or is there still um, a strong tradition of the man trying to surprise the woman with the engagement? So do you know what? We really have a mixture. So we'd have loads of couples that would have gotten engaged and they'd make the appointment to come in together. I love to see the guys coming in themselves beforehand so the girl might know that he's going to propose. So he's coming to us first and he comes with his nerves and his uh, looking for advice on how to go about buying an engagement ring. And the first thing we'd always do is put them at their ease and kind of it's a daunting experience for the guys coming in buying an engagement ring. So we go through what they're looking for. We look for pictures. If, you know, she has kind of sneakily sent on any ideas, we help them out with that. And we reassure them that we, we make sure that she loves the engagement ring and we can make any changes if she wanted to. Then for couples who, you know, walk in the door and they've the question has been asked, do they always know what they're looking for? What's the process there? Do they start to try on things or do you find that the bride has an idea of the kind of engagement ring that she would like? It really depends. Um, there's no formula when it comes to engagement rings and that's what I actually love about it. Uh, when couples come to us, um, some can be very organised and they know exactly what they want. Um, and we can go through everything that we have. We would offer exceptional service. We offer a full bespoke design service as well. So if they like an element of one ring and um, a diamond from another ring, we can create that for them. So it's a very bespoke service that we would offer. Other couples that come in, they mightn't have a clue. So it's a real trying on rings, trying on styles that they like. And then slowly from that, we, from our experience, we'll be able to steer them to, you know, the design that suits their budget, their style, their personality and everything else that goes with it. So it really is a mixture and we do our best to help out every couple that comes to us. Do you get to hear any of the proposal stories? Yeah, we really do. And especially the guys coming in themselves, you know, I'd always ask, so how are you going to propose or what you're thinking? And, uh, you know, the, some of the guys are just amazing. The, you know, the efforts that they go to to have the most romantic proposal, um, it's just fabulous. And then when couples come in themselves after they've gotten engaged, I just love hearing the, the stories. They're, they're always good. And Liz mentioned earlier the range, the promise rings, the engagement rings, the wedding rings, the attorney rings. So really it's a lifelong journey that you're with people through. Yeah, we're very lucky um, and it's, it's a privilege I suppose to be part of um, our customer's story and right from the beginning like you say and when people come into us we do develop a lovely relationship with them that carries through 
and we see all their milestones and it's lovely to be able to mark um, each memorable milestone with a piece of jewellery that will last forever. Uh, so we're in a very look in a lucky job and we love it. So we're really looking forward to be the wedding showcase. We will be sitting down with couples showing our full collection of wedding rings and giving advice on, you know, little tips like when to order your rings and what kind of style will match your engagement ring, whether you need a straight band, whether you need something shaped to fit around it. We'll explain the process of that and listen to what customers are looking for as well. So we cannot wait to meet all the lovely couples. Yeah, and don't forget that uh, wedding fair. Coming to the medieval monarchy, Kenny, on Thursday the 28th between 5 and 9. Free entry. You don't need to pay anything to get in as you do at many of the big fairs up in Dublin. You just have to register online. It's a thousand euro voucher, holiday voucher. Also, to give away to anybody who has registered to go. You can check it out on all KCLR social platforms. Uh, some of you are having fun out there this morning <laughs> asking, I wonder if Minister Eamon Ryan will be going to the cannonball run. Mm, doubt it. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Thanks, Ash. Would you be into rugger? Rugby? Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> I presumed you would know what I that was. Like, what was. Yeah. That? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I watch it the odd time. Yeah, it's 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 one of them ones. I, I wouldn't necessarily always make an appointment yeah. for it unless a uh, rugby world cup different sort of yeah. level altogether. But my God, is it a sport that people get into when it's on? I think it's, it's I the physical aggression of it more yeah, than anything else. Yeah, I feel like else. people like take on kind of like I don't know they. Yeah, they're so in, kind of ingrained in it or something. Yeah, it's sure. like as if everybody's own testosterone levels yeah. go through the roof, you know, yeah. as soon as Ireland's call is sung and, yeah. you know, the first tackle goes in. Um, Shane and Robbie are both joining us in a few moments' time to talk about the the Rugby World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we might be a bit late to the news at 12 because you, okay. you know that they, they can yap away, yeah. the Look, two I'll of them. I'll forgive you for today. Forgive me for today. It's a sunny <laughs> day. Thanks, Ash. Talk to you 12. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. And talking about stepping out of sweatpants and into style, um, Alan O'Reilly, are we all going to need to step out of sweaty pants this weekend? Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly dig back out the uh, summer wardrobe for a few days anyway. <laughs> And today is going to be the peak of it. So we're looking at a very, very warm day. Um, There is some patches of fog near the coast that's burning off, but currently Kenny has plenty of sunshine. I think we probably will break the record today, um, 29.1 degrees. But whether we get it at a weather station that records it (laughs) is going to be the question. Yeah. Um, Kenny looks like it could be the hottest spot in the country as well. So we could we could well see twenty nine broken. We could touch thirty degrees, which for this time of the year is a bit crazy. Yeah, I saw. I mean, I, I obviously follow you on Instagram and stuff like that as well. And I saw some of your the charts. I think you'd call them. Um, it, some of the charts yesterday were suggesting that maybe northwest Kilkenny on the tip border there could possibly get up to thirty one. Do you still think that's a possibility? Yeah, it is a possibility. Light winds, no cloud, 
very warm air mass over us. Um, so yeah, if 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 the cloud doesn't develop, then I think there really is a chance that we could definitely get close to that. Now, as I say, whether it will hit it at a where a weather station is, that's the question. But uh, it's going to be a hot one, um, and it's certainly going to be probably the hottest day of the year for many people. Wow, it's fantastic! Well, fantastic. It's unusual. I think it's probably the be- better way to describe it for September. Uh, looking like it's going to continue for most of the weekend, temperature-wise. But there is a greater chance of rain, or is there a greater chance of rain on Sunday? Yeah, so a very small chance of a thunder shower kicking off today. Um, tomorrow, Saturday, good sunny spells again. Um, in the afternoon, cloud will increase a little bit, and uh, there is a risk of a heavy shower. Um, tomorrow afternoon but temperature still 25 26 maybe even 27 degrees tomorrow sunday then um temperatures are going to drop back down to probably 22 23 degrees with more cloud and more showers and yeah a, a higher risk a much higher risk of thunderstorms on sunday afternoon especially um now these can cause some very localized intense rainfall um, one of my followers messaged me from Cavan yesterday where they had a thunderstorm and they got flash flooding event with water coming up as high as the windowsills outside the house. Wow. So, you you know, that is something to keep an eye on. I know the front page of Nash this week had a, an event in Mathville quite close to me last week and it was very localised but very intense rainfall. So that is something to keep an eye out for if you're in an area that's kind of prone to maybe water hanging around when there's a flash flood. Just, just keep an eye on that. Hopefully we'll miss them, but Sunday is increasing um winds generally light all weekend monday then we will see a change slowly with more some rain moving through once that rain moves through then the colder air is going to flood in behind so temperatures will drop back below 20 degrees but tuesday looks like a good sunny day um just temperatures back to more normal conditions some more showers and possibly wednesday thursday um, and a lot of uncertainty for, for next weekend. Some of the weather models showing warmer air coming back again, actually. So uh, good news for the, the heating bills and electricity bills because um, we don't have to worry about heating. It's better than getting a cold blast. But yeah. it is hard to sleep at night, and thankfully those night temperatures will drop back from Monday as well. Yeah, so looking a little bit more, um, I think, seasonal in terms of what we would expect for this time of year into next week. But next weekend, who knows, could go back up again. Um, what have you got planned for the weekend yourself, Alan? I know you were busy electric picnic this weekend are you going to go and watch uh, the Irish Open Golf are you going to be watching the rugby have you got chores to do around the house or are you just going to relax yeah a few chores to catch up on uh, watch the rugby they're going to be playing in mid 30 degrees heat as well actually so the heat's going to impact the Irish rugby team as well mm. and then uh, I'll get out and try and hit a small white ball around Mount Woolsey on Sunday and hope that uh, I don't have to keep the irons in my bag to keep them away from the lightning strikes <laughs> well whatever you're getting up to Alan it's always a pleasure talking to you on a Friday Alan O'Reilly there from Carlo Weather could be a record breaking day he says um, just a question of whether it will actually be record breaking at one of the weather centres to record it but wherever you are um, do your best to uh, enjoy the weather not everybody I know not everybody loves the hot weather I certainly enjoy it but uh, um, in a very sort of tenuous link here's George Michael with Outside George Michael there giving us all a bit of advice for the weekend go outside he says 
But many of us won't be bothering to go outside at all. We'll be too busy with sports, uh, both here on KCLR, around the globe. And uh, joining me in the studio now, um, two of the biggest messes that we could ever come... Well, you're, you're not a messes, you're both extremely professional, but for some reason when the three of us get together, it always turns into a bit of crack from the Scoreline Sports team. Robbie Dowling and Shane O'Keefe, you're very welcome into studio. Rugby World Cup, where do we go first? Do we go positive or negative? We'll go positive. Shane O'Keefe, you looking forward to it? Yeah, I think so, especially the way the fixtures have lined out as well. You know, you have Romania coming up, you have Tonga then immediately following. Two games that Ireland should easily be getting through. Then they had the big one with South Africa, a two-week break for Scotland then as well. And that can't be understated. I think that two-week break has come at a right time. Romania, they've had a big, big defeat to the USA. Um, they have a lot of injuries as well. And that USA team is uh, very, very average. So you'd be thinking Ireland should be posting up over 50 points, I think. Mm, I mean, uh, you know, when you think about the Rugby World Cup coming around and the Rugby World Cup cycles, the year before the Rugby World Cup is always a big build-up. Previously, Ireland have done well in that period and then struggled when they come to the World Cup. Never got into the tournament as world-ranked number one team before. That means nothing to this man. I know, that's what I'm going to get to because I think about six or eight months ago, Shane, after Ireland beat New Zealand. After Ireland won the Six Nations, Brian. Robbie Dowling turned around and said, let's not get excited, lads. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Are we still getting ahead of ourselves, Robbie? Uh, I wouldn't say we're getting ahead of ourselves as such, Brian. I think, um, to be fair, if you were to look at it objectively, the group is about as difficult a group as you can find in the form of, obviously, South Africa. Being the world champions and then Scotland there is about as difficult a third C team as you can face. Mm. And if we were to get out of that group, which is a challenge in itself, oh. we're going to face either the host, France, and arguably the form team in the world at the moment alongside ourselves, or obviously New Zealand, who are one of, if not the most successful rugby nation in the history of the sport. So it's a very, very difficult proposition for Andy Farrell's side. Uh, I wouldn't say we're getting ahead of ourselves as much as we did in the past, because I think certain levels of the excitement are merited this time but I still would go into this with an element of caution because I think it could blow up in our faces potentially uh, particularly if that South Africa game goes wrong I think we're going to be under massive pressure going into the Scotland match so we have to see how it pans out but our route to a potential semi-final which would be the first in our history of course is very very difficult yeah so I mean it could be a triumphant you know couple of weeks but there, as you have said, there's also the potential whereby come the 7th of October, after the game against Scotland, which kicks off at, uh, I think it's 8, 9 o'clock in the evening. 8 here. o'clock, yeah. Yeah, by sort of 10 o'clock that night, we could be all crying into our egg-shaped rugby balls because of the fact that possibly South Africa turn us over, Scotland doesn't go to plan with the pressure, and we're all gone home. Shane, um, Mr. Positivity when it comes to sports. Uh, we're going to win it. What will you have say? Will there be an official apology to Robbie Dowling then after that group game if Ireland are knocked out? What are you on about? No, look, I, I, mean, I, I, re- I remember Ireland losing to Argentina, right? And I remember being gutted by that in the World Cup. So I don't think that Ireland are automatically going to win it. What I am saying, and I said it with John Walsh this morning, about having moments in sporting history. And we said it about the soccer, and we're not having those moments with the Irish soccer team currently. Having moments in sporting history, like beating New Zealand, like winning the Six Nations. I was up in Dublin that day, and what it meant to play. He's going mad then that people are celebrating it, overblowing it. He called the New Zealand win, oh, just glorify friendly. You know, like that. So if they get knocked out, I'm not going to apologise to, to him or anybody <laughs> but what I'm saying is like take the, those moments and go nice one now don't get ahead of yourselves yeah Robbie I suppose what my complaint my argument would be 
We should have moved beyond that. I think there was a period in the 2000s. But, but Robbie, we're world number one. How much more beyond that well, can you, you move? We well, have to make a World Cup semi-final. Wales have, Scotland have, nearly every single, well, actually, every single of the top nine teams in world rugby have, except for Ireland. So are we bottlers? I don't think we're bottlers as such. I think we big the team up way too much ahead of the tournament of the most significance. And then we tend to not blow up, but we underperform based on those lofty standards. Okay. Um, so I, I do think we have to go in with an element of objectivity about this. I think too many times we've gone in with just our heads in the sand and it blows up. So obviously Ireland's first game against Romania in Bordeaux, kicking off at 2.30. Um, that's tomorrow, that's yeah. our time tomorrow, isn't it, Robbie? Yeah, yeah. 2.30 tomorrow from Bordeaux. You could Temp- be looking at a record-breaking score on that one as well. Like, <laughs> I, I really think so. You could, but yeah. you look. It's, uh, look like if I was second-string uh, team against Tonga, I think that the record was against USA back in 2000, yeah, over yeah. 80 points to right. three. So well, I we'll see. Listen, um, oh, we haven't got sweepstakes going. Whose responsibility? It's got to be the sport, the sports department's responsibility to get the sweepstakes going. By the time I'm off here at 12 o'clock, I want one of you to come and look for a fiver for me. I don't, no, that's not how a sweepstakes works. There you go. One quickly, one word each, right? No discussions, no arguments, because I know the two of you are very fond of an argument. Who's going to win the tournament? Robbie, go. France. Shane. All Blacks. Oh, here we go. Well, listen, you can stay. (laughs) (laughs) Shane failed as always. All Blacks, gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Of course, scoreline this weekend. All uh, lots of stuff to cover: golf, Harry Ewan's on rugby world cup. The the end of the the league in Kilkenny on the senior and intermediate graves. We have live games coming, uh, starting coverage at one o'clock. We have the end of the the league in the Carlo Championship as well. That's starting at five o'clock tomorrow. So lots and lots of things. Lots to do. And get that sweepstakes sorted out. You're forty minutes before I'm off air. Take care gentlemen and uh, we'll keep abreast of everything World Cup wise rugby um, over the next couple of weeks 21 minutes past 11 Friday panel is on the way KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state of the art IMC cinema see fairgreen.ie KCL Welcome back to KCLR. It's 24 minutes past seven on a Friday. That means it's time for the Friday panel. The Friday panel on KCLR Live. With thanks to Paul Colley Hogan Lanigan, Kilkenny's leading law firm. See a full list of our services at pkhl.ie. Joining me on the Friday panel this Friday, we've got Deputy Jennifer Murnane O'Connor. You're very welcome along. And Jim Mulhall, Chair of Kilkenny IFA. It's Friday. How does that feel to both of you when it comes to this part of the week? Uh, as a deputy, Jennifer, um, is it a chance to relax like normal people? Excuse me for using that word. <laughs> Not at all. No, weekends now are part of our, I suppose, we work, I know as a TD, we work mainly seven days a week. So Friday, we I normally meet with uh, constituents and Saturday I'd be working with them as well. And Sunday, I always have events to go to or work with people. So seven days a week, no different. Jim, of course. <laughs> Farming, yeah, three sixty-five, seven it, days it, a week. It is. I mean, we do. I mean, while Saturday, Saturday is a normal working day, the same as in a lot of working places. But Sunday, Sunday is uh, we we just you know manage to do the bare essentials as best we can. Yeah. No, no weather like this, you tend to kind of uh, if you have crops to be harvested, people will drive on, but. Usually the weekend is a time to relax a small bit, anyway. Well, listen, we're going to stay with agriculture to kick things off because uh, Deputy Healy Ray, uh, critical of farming organisations boycotting yesterday's meeting with uh, Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell. Let's hear a little bit of what he had to say. I've been in contact with the Minister during the week on behalf of the farmers in Kerry and from around the rest of the country. And I think it's actually neglectful that the farm leaders 
wouldn't use the opportunity. There's no good in being outside the door protesting about it. They should have been inside, sitting around the table, getting an explanation from the minister as to how he's not standing up for our farming families. And it's no good being outside the door. Jim, no yeah. good being outside the door? No good being outside the door. Um, we've been inside the door since last March uh, and, and, and for longer, but... So we've been at the table, at the Charter Rights table and at the Minister's table on numerous occasions at this stage and highlighting the importance of the uh, of the nitrates to him. And um, I'm afraid he, he chose on Wednesday to ignore our, our commentary, ignore our observations and decided to, uh, out of the blue, it has to be said, decided to um, implement the, the cut to the derogation, which is going to have a serious body blow, uh, not just the people who are affected by the decision, but the wider farming community. And we took a decision that well, if he's not going to listen to us, and he's and he has he has continued to not to listen to us, there's no point in us being in there. And we decided the decision was taken uh, to, I suppose, picket uh, the meeting, Brian. Um, and this has been we've had an issue with the Charter of Rights for uh, for a long time now, and this was a Charter of Rights meeting that was being discussed yesterday uh, over payment dates, and the decision was made to not attend the meeting until we actually got a commitment from the Minister to uh, solve the issue. So uh, the farming community choosing to stay outside of the door uh, Jennifer, from a political perspective, what's your viewpoint from the other side of the door? Yeah well look and I would have said to Jim, I'm, I'm always a firm believer to try and talk keep talking and talking and talking because it does help and I understand too where Jim and, and IFA are coming from in the sense that they have and I know because I've had several meetings with uh, the farmers in Carlow and, and Jim will be aware of that I've had the minister down several times speaking with them so I do understand they're disheartened and, and we you know we have to be very mindful that the farmers work like the politicians seven day a week you know they have a love of farming like we have a love of politics so I do feel that they were disheartened the other day I do believe they need to talk I, I would always say that we have to keep talking never give up talking because the day you don't talk is the day I think that barriers are broken down but I can only say and I've said to Jim that our thinking is in the hearse and jockey on Monday and Tuesday of next week and I will be highlighting the issue of uh, you know what they spoke about the Chartered of Rights uh, for the farmers and the payments and all that and it is important that we all work together and it is important that the farmers get a commitment on payments look it's like everything if you have bills to pay if you have to pay for whatever it is within your farm you know you need to have your payment and you need to know when your payment is coming so you can say to your you know whoever you're buying it off or whoever you're delivering it to, look I will have my money within a certain time this is the agreement so there has to be a balance and I'm all for balance but I am all for everybody working together and I know there has been barriers as I said so now we need to try and address them and we need to work and support our farmers I'm a big advocate for our farmers and I will always support them because I believe they do a marvellous job Jim hmm. um, look at and, um, and and to be fair to Jennifer she has had the minister down in the constituency on a couple of occasions at this stage and every time I meet him um, I've highlighted the importance of him looking after people like myself who depend on farming for a living so this part of the country is a very productive part of the country uh, your, your listeners in Carlow and Kilkenny and, and, and the wider area I mean, the southeast of Ireland is is a very productive farming country, and we uh, we have a lot of farmers, who, like as I said, like myself, who depend on farming for a living. And there's kind of a view out there that maybe the minister seems to have forgotten uh, 
forgotten that. I mean, the decision on Wednesday has a serious impact, financial impact to my farm. Um, it will reduce me to it'll cost it'll, it'll force me to reduce my cow numbers. There's absolutely no way about. No, Jim, just no, for people for people that may not be aware of the detail, the exact okay, detail, right? I, because I, we had Minister Eamon Ryan on at the start of the show this morning talking about how dairy dairy farmers are making a fortune. Well, he didn't use the word fortune. He said they're making a very good income. Yes. So last year, I mean, we, we, we've had a very good year. Um, this year is a bit more challenging with prices. But just to explain nitrates to your listeners, because it's 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 on every time you pick up the paper, it's now being mentioned. So the nitrates, as it is, is literally, a, it's, it sets down the amount of stock you can carry on your farm. So if you have 100 cows on your farm, a uh, middle-of-the-road farmer, he he may, may he or she may be forced to reduce down to eighty seven cows. So that means so those thirteen cows are now gone out of his system. So that's reducing his ability uh, to to make repayments. It's reducing his ability to educate and feed his family. You know, so this is a direct income cut. But but the other side of it is though, uh, Brian. That so if that farmer says, oh, hang on now, I, in order for me to keep my hundred cows, I need to rent an extra twenty acres. He's gone out into the market. To try and rent land to protect his own his his his, his those thirteen cows, which has an impact then that if someone has that bit of ground rented to graze a few sheep or graze a few cattle, they are now being uh, disrupted and put out of that land because the dairy farmer needs it. Like, and the important point here is like land is a finite resource. It's not like houses, so you can't add. So there's a mar- there's a housing shortage in this country. Yep. We're all aware of it. But how do you solve that problem? You add more houses into the market, and that's how you solve the problem. You can't do that with land. It's they're not making any more of it. Yeah, it's yeah. a finite resource. So what's happening? The potential is next spring you'll have market disruption and you overhe- overheat the market, and then so the people that need the land are, now don't have access to it. And this is a it's a huge it's a huge issue. But that's the easiest way of explaining nitrates. It's literally. The, determines the amount of cows you can carry. So it's a test that's carried out on the land and based on those well, tests. Well, the, the, the department have the figures, so they know yeah, how many yeah, hectares yeah. I'm farming, they know how many cows are on my farm, and they will say, well, you're over, you have 25 cows more, you need get to get rid, rid of, of five of them. Yeah. 25 on my farm, <laughs> I have to get rid of 25 cows. And, and in terms of pound, shillings and pence, is that, is that 25 cows potentially your living margin, if you well, want to you call see, it that? Well, you see, and that's the point, like, so, so those cows, so I was only explaining this this morning we were having the breakfast, so we all, everyone understands overhead costs, so I still have to pay my, make my repayments to the bank, I still have to pay my staff, I still have to do all that stuff, but this is, these 25 cows are contributing to my margin, to my actual ability to generate mm-hmm. an income, and if they are gone, my fixed costs stay the same, yeah. this is the real challenge, and that's... That's why I'm so exercised, to tell you the truth, and that's why I was so exercised yesterday, because there are two reasons. It's going to affect my farm, but it's also going to affect the wider community with land market disruption, and okay. and we don't even know what scale that's going to reach. Jennifer, Jim isn't the only one that's exercised by this uh, texter. In. Uh, it's addressed at you, but I won't. I'll address it to, yeah, to, yeah. I'll address it to the political community. Uh, Jennifer, again, running with the hare and hunting with the hounds, uh, it says, you're in government, either fix it or leave. Uh, we can vote people in who will get the job done, says Aidan. Um, yeah, no, and that's, look, that's fine, but what I, I can do, and I always say this is a backbencher, and I would always... Um, work with the different farming groups, the IFA, and I would be committed to that. I highlight their issues to the Minister and to the Department, and I will constantly do that. I wasn't at that meeting yesterday. I wasn't aware of it again until, as mm. Jim said it to me, I read it on the paper. But I assure you, 
um, that I have had the Minister down here several times meeting with the farmers and their concerns and I will continue to do that and that's what I can do as yeah. a public representative. I know that that the Minister uh, decided this yesterday I'm sure to the Department and the different bodies but I would have concerns for farmers I will work with them I will go back to the Minister again and I will do what I can you know to represent the constituency look I can be everything to everyone as other parties are that are not in government they're promising the sun moon and stars but what I can do in government is I can try and make that change within government for the farmers and other people that come to me and that's what I have to do for Carlo and Kilkenny and Jim, just going back to the point made by Mr. Healy Ray, you won't be able to solve it if you're not prepared to go in and talk. Yeah, well, look at—I mean, I'm afraid we'll have to beg to differ with him. I mean, we have—we have spoken to the minister on on numerous occasions. Um, he doesn't seem to be listening. That's why we went in yesterday. That's why um, we'll be talking to Jennifer at the thinking. We'll be talking <laughs> yeah, yeah. to. Uh, so it I mean, taking, we've only got another 25 <laughs> minutes, and we have an ad break coming up. So maybe during the ad break, we'll yeah. be able it's to out, solve it's this out problem. It's that the thinking is on, and. Yeah. I, I suppose, look at, rural people feel that um, they feel a little bit abandoned by the political classes, in fairness. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. But you, have you always felt that way? Well, I suppose, to be fair, look at, like, the, the Taoiseach has said in the past he'll have, like, he'll have farmers' backs, right? So right now, we have a huge issue. And and, and the Taoiseach has the ability to get on the pitch and say, there's an issue here that needs to be sorted. I mean, the the commission was, were never brought over to, to uh, take a look at what's being done on Irish farms and there's there's huge work being done and it just takes a bit of time I suppose for that to filter through but it has been done money has been yeah. spent and the Taoiseach needs to step onto the pitch now that's my view Well that's the, uh, the IFA Jim Mulhall's view on that um, we'll continue our discussions um, we might touch on uh, I, I spoke to Marion Dalton earlier on the week and she was very excited with the potential Th- thought of her, uh, me bringing her for a bit of a drive class up at the Ploughing Championships I pro- she promised to bring me around to the IFA tent and show me around for a cup of tea and coffee but we'll continue our discussions uh, it's the Friday panel and joining me on the Friday panel today Deputy Jennifer Manen O'Connor and Jim Hall Chair of Kilkenny IFA we'll be back with you in just a moment KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style see fairgreen.ie Tossing and turning all night? Struggling to get that much-needed rest? No Health Store introduces you to Irish Botanica Siesta. Crafted by Irish herbalist David Foley, Siesta combines a soothing blend of magnesium, hops, ashwagandha and chamomile, which helps maintain a healthy sleep. Irish Botanica Siesta, available online and in-store. Embrace the healthier you. Shop at naturalhealthstore.ie or visit us in Wexford and Kilkenny. Natural Health Store. Feel good on the inside. New this week at Home Store and more. All bar stools and chairs are all half price. But better hurry, because when all the half price bar stools and chairs are gone, they're gone. Also, all metal kitchen bins and all painting and DIY accessories are still all half price. But when all the half price metal kitchen bins and all the half price painting and DIY accessories are gone, they're definitely gone. Drop by your local Home Store and more, or visit us online at homestoreandmore.ie. New store now open in Frescati Centre, Blackrock, Dublin. Home Store and more. A happy home. Looking for great value on new doors and floors? Call to Rose Topline Hardware Castlecomer. We have laminate floors, interior doors, handles, locks, skirting and architraves. Visit our extensive display at Rose Topline Hardware Castlecomer. Open six days with delivery service available. 
Guess what? The Aer Lingus September sale is now on. You can fly to some incredible North American destinations like New York, Orlando, Seattle and more from just $159.99 each way as part of a return trip. Book now on AerLingus.com. Discover all of our US destinations from just $159.99 each way as part of a return trip. Sale ends September 18th. T's and C's apply. Travel October 1st, 2023 to March 13th, 2024. It is uh, 23 minutes to 11 o'clock this uh, Friday morning and we're having our usual Friday panel. The Friday panel on KCLR Live. With thanks to Paul Colley Hogan Lanigan, Kenny's leading law firm. See a full list of our services at pkhl.ie. Joining us for this week's Friday panel, Deputy Jennifer Murnane O'Connor and Jim Mulhall, Chair of Kilkenny IFA. Uh, Jim, we'll just slightly continue the chat we were having during the break because we moved on specifically from talking about uh, uh, the comments of uh, Mr Healy Ray and such. And, and I mentioned the fact we had Eamon Ryan in studio this morning. The Greens undoubtedly are facing a battle as we come towards the next general election. Eamon Ryan suggesting that there's absolutely no reason that the general election should happen in 2024. He's appealing to the Taoiseach to to see the government go its full term till May 2025. Do you feel any sympathy um, for the Green Party in terms of their struggles to balance what undoubtedly is a good agenda with public perception of the same? Look at, I mean... As I said, you off air there. Um, we can't. None of us can be climate deniers, right? I mean, as it's you know the, the heat outside is so. There's, there's there's definitely a change, and there's definitely something different happening with weather patterns. So we can't be we can't be climate deniers. We have to accept that, you know, we need to maybe change how we live and change our practices. But I suppose some of the stuff uh, we've all seen and read what Eamon Ryan has said and his confusion as to why so much cars on the road and sure you don't need cars down this part of the country and should we putting bus routes in every town in the country, you know? But like. That's all fair and well to say if you live in the leafy suburbs of Dublin. But if you're down in the southeast or you want to commute, if you live in Carlow and you want to commute to Kenny or you want to commute to work here every mm. morning, like a car is part of life and it's something that has to be is something that has to be done. Um, and I mean, the, even the ambition to reach EV, uh, so electric vehicles, uh, electric car, that's a, a a target that's potentially never going to be reached because there's not enough of uh, there's not enough of charging points. So it's all very well to have ambition and you know and kind of have this notion, utopian notion in your head that everything is going to be fine we'll all run on electric cars but unless you're prepared to put in charging points unless you're prepared to put the infrastructure behind it none of this is going to happen yeah. so have I sympathy for the Greens actually I don't because I mean just going back to our conversation a minute ago part of their manifesto for the programme for government is that the nitrates should be scrapped right the nitrates derogation which would absolutely destroy the agricultural sector we've seen a reduction and it's going to do a serious damage so a scrapping would be it's pull down the shutters and forget about and it go. you know uh, Jennifer just down at that point for a moment till we come on to further things I mean Fianna Gael, certain spokespeople within Fianna Gael not very happy with um, underspends on road budgets for example I mean we can drive EVs or indeed put buses on the roads if we don't expand our road network um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah no absolutely infrastructure is so important and if you look at Carlow and we are rural when you look at a Carlow Kilkenny we are a rural constituency where we have huge issues with transport. We are now a university town and county mm. and yet the transport to try and get our young students into college and I mean if you look at Carlo IT and St Pat's the amount of students going in there now since September I see the changes I see the traffic in Carlo. it all has to change we have to look at a public 
transport system that is fit for purpose. And I would say it 100%. We are not there and we are far from there. The other thing I want to take up on, which which I asked uh, Jim about was, we definitely have huge issues within climate change. We see it across the world now. We see here, we're back in September. Who would have believed in September again? Essentially 31 degrees. 31 degrees. In in northwest Kilkenny today. Yeah, like this is something that is going to play a huge part for the government going forward. They have to invest in climate change. Like again, we don't want, I don't think anyone in particular should target. I think you have to go across the board because all of us have a part to play. Mm. All of us. I don't care what business you're in. We all have to make changes, but we are going to have to have them changes because I think if not, this is only going to get worse. We won't be able to handle it. We have to meet our um, targets, as you know. So there is huge challenges. But Jennifer, were you surprised to see that there was such an underspend in the road networks in the first quarter of this year? I think yeah. almost 100 million euros. Yeah. yeah, no, and it wasn't acceptable. And I mean, again, there has to be accountability there um, I know I would have spoken and I did a press release even this week on the local property tax funding that was being brought out this year um, but that goes to all local governments and different departments like we need to spend our money we yeah. need to make sure well, we, that we went for that. We, we hadn't got a, a you know, I was going to say there a moment yeah. ago, um, we hadn't got a pot to do things in for, yeah. for many years in this country. And, and we have thank- funding now. And yeah. thankfully that's changed. Yeah, no, there is money. Yeah. But yeah, you've got, you've got government, weirdly, you've got Stephen Donnelly's department massively overspent, apparently, and then you've got the transport not being spent on. And yet we've also got all this money that we're keeping aside for our rainy day fund. We just don't seem to know how to deal with finance in this country. I know, look, I think, Good things have happened. I mean, we, we like you know. In fairness, now we've had seen good things, and I think in Carlow, Kenny, and um, I can only speak about our, our own area where there has been a lot of investment, and we have a lot of projects coming, and we have. I know there has been huge issues even within local authorities where we need to invest in more money for staffing issues. Like within departments too, there is huge issues on staffing. We need to invest money, I think, in areas like that. But I would say if you look at Carlo now, in the local property tax now, we are getting nearly $9 million this year on that, which is a huge amount of money for services, for communities. And, you know, again, we have the URDF, we have loads of projects that are happening in Carlo. So there is money coming in, but when there is money, that isn't been used and what you've said there a minute ago there has to be accountability why isn't it spent where was it meant to go for because normally what happens is and you you would know yourselves every local authority has to put their projects through to different departments so you look for money for this 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 and this there's always that historic sort of I know it's anecdotal oh it's November December there's roadworks going everywhere the councillor trying to spend all their their budgets and I mean and people have contested that although the underspend was in the first quarter this year I will make it up like we normally do is it actually different this time or is that something that historically has always happened underspends at the beginning year make it up at the end and they normally do in fairness but for me I think we need to look at the whole bigger picture here like I would only ever be when I speak in, in, in Leinster House it's always to do a car local Kenny so I would see the issues that face us you know when it's transport whether it's housing another huge issue that I could speak on and you know we need more housing I mean as I said we're now a, a university town We met, I met with IBAC um, this week mm. uh, with all the, the South East TD senators we all met we've seen the concerns there for businesses and what they need as well so like it is giant up thinking it is working with the different departments with your local authority with your businesses in your area with the transport and that's what I focus on and again it is to make sure and that's one thing that you're right on we have to spend the money and Car Local Kenny is my priority and I can tell you that any projects there I've put in a PQ to know what projects in our area that we need to look at need more funding or have to be funded yet and that's what I will do and Jim 
if they're not going to spend that 100 million on roads, what would the IFA do with it? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I suppose too. I mean, the minister has a purse of money there. Um, I mean, and this is probably one of my big issues with what's going on at the moment. So within the Department of Agriculture budget, there's, there's money set aside for what's what's called TAMS funding. So so farmers can apply to put in extra slurry storage, which ties into our conversation earlier on, you know, to manage their, their nutrients better. And even look at the Climate Action Plan was set down last year. And within that, Agriculture was given a target of reducing our carbon by twenty five or by twenty five percent, yeah, uh, our emissions by twenty five percent, and so we've looked at that, and even at home we've looked at that, and people are actually, and we have signed up to put um, solar panels on our roof for talk's sake, and it kind of goes on to maybe goes back to what we we're talking about a minute ago in terms of infrastructure and electric vehicles and and, and all that, so. <clears throat> So there's a there's a fund there for for solar panels and roofs and it has been oversubscribed. I mean, we applied for it at home. So now we've been told no, you won't actually get in on this tranche. You potentially won't. You might have to wait until next year. And meanwhile, we have <laughs> we have farmers saying, well, I guess where you're going with this. <laughs> we're willing to put the panels on our roof, you know, and like just because like, the business case for in this country, the business case for solar panels is not that great. It takes too long to pay them down, and this is why uh, funding has been set aside yeah. uh, to fund it. So. We're waiting and waiting. We've been told that no, oh, you may wait for the next tranche, and this is happening with solar panels, which is, I mean, which is a, a no-brainer. It's a win-win for everyone. I reduce my carbon footprint on my farm, and there's less fossil fuels being burned to manufacture uh, electricity. Helps and your cost as well. Yeah. Helps our cost. Helps, it's a win-win, and and so that's stuck, you know. And there's the whole Tams piece, and I personally blame the minister for this. Now he has within his gift to solve this issue, and it's and it's it's not happening. So I mean, so that's what I would do. What would I do with the hundred million? I put it into funds the stuff that we can but actually make more EVs yeah, and more just, electric panels. Yeah. yeah, and absolutely, and just I totally agree with Jim on the solar panels. I've spoken to the minister because I've had some farmers that have come to me that is being looked at. Yeah, I can tell you that's been looked at again with the Tams. Absolutely. Look, I I I'm a firm believer, and we spoke earlier on. The more you highlight things, the more you speak, the more, I believe, gets done. Yeah. While it is always a battle, and look, I'm here to say that, and there's no one battles harder than me and other TDs, but you just keep battling. These are concerns, you're right, we need to spend that money, and I know that the solar panels are being looked at now, and the same with the spending on the... Well, um, we shall yeah. see. Uh, I'm going to change talk slightly. Um, we're just coming up to uh, 13 minutes to 12 o'clock, and something I wanted to discuss, Jennifer. Uh, I got a text her in uh, this morning, and I appreciate the person taking the time to send that text in. I came in quite early once we'd mentioned that you were going to be on and it says could you please ask Jennifer Moreno O'Connor when the payment for girls and mothers um, in the mother and baby homes is likely to be paid it's gone very quiet with information says this texter was to be paid in 2022 then 2023 and still nothing yeah no and and that is something that I know Minister Roger Gorman as you know that's his with his remits um, we had passed a lot of it has been passed through the doll. It, it is important that the this payment are due as quick as possible I don't have a time scale but what I can What's do the is delay? Um, I, I think that just in general there was just about see originally there was some issues about payments who was entitled to a payment wasn't how long you were in a mother and baby home till you got the payment then there was the issue and I fought on this medical cards you should when you have a medical card you get a, um, a priority on the housing list so there was loads of things this time that went into this payment plan yeah. and rightly so by the way 100% but it is a concern and I know Roderick is committed to it I firmly believe, and, and while I know this is not, not kind of 
helpful in, in that sense. I firmly believe when all the things happened with the war in Ukraine and everything happened, and of course that's within Roderick's remit too. Now Just we're on, on reset. Away. Well, I think he worked on that as well, but I can tell you I'm fully committed to the payments for the mother and baby homes. I have fought hard to make sure that that payment is true. And I have a concern, and she's right, because the people that, the women that were in the mother and baby homes, and I would have said this to Roderick, Minister Roderick O'Gorman, they're getting older now. So they need the payment as soon as possible. I would address it. I believe it is going to happen soon. I will definitely try and get a date. We're back to 20 of September. If that lady maybe wanted to contact me, I will certainly be addressing it on the doll floor, but we don't have a time scale. But it is shortly. I do know it is shortly. Well, maybe when you're back uh, the first week um, that you're back in, you might give us a shout. I will. I'll be delighted to. We can pass that information on because I think, you know, when something was agreed um, and in effect signed off and was due to be paid, what is coming up on um, two years ago, it's certainly over 18 months now at this stage, uh, I think people as you said, would be rightly frustrated. Many of these people have lived long lives since their experiences there. They haven't, uh, yeah, hopefully they've got many, many years left to yeah, live. But I mean, you know, yeah. that that money might make some sort of a uh, difference to their years ahead and, and waiting another two or three and years, I don't just, think anybody would see. Is and acceptable. it is the biggest payment, uh, Brian, that has ever been, like, and I do welcome that from the government. This will be the biggest payment that will ever have gone out to people, women that were in mother and baby homes. And you know what? Rightly so. They deserve everything they Not get. Not if they haven't got you it. Know, well, but they will be getting it. No, I can tell you, the payment is there, the money is there, we just need to get it out to them. I'm telling you, there was issues with what was going on, but I'm firmly, firmly, fully supportive of it. And again, it is the biggest payment of ever that, and these women are more than entitled to mm. it. We have, I, we had well, so I many... i tell you what, just make sure Roger O'Gorman has his pen in his checkbook when he gets back into the talk I a will indeed, later on I here. will indeed. It's 10 yes. minutes to 12, we're on the I Friday will. panel. Uh, Deputy Jennifer Renane O'Connor and Fianna Fáil, or Fianna Fáil, should I say, and Jim Mulhall, Chair of Kilkenny AFA. Uh, 10 to 12, we're going to take a short break and we'll find out what people of uh, your busy, busy schedules, despite all the working, uh, like to get up to on a weekend that's jam-packed with mm. sport and great weather. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Curry with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. It is the Friday panel on KCLR, nine minutes to 12 o'clock. The Friday panel on KCL or live. With thanks to Paul Colley Hogan Lanigan, Kilkenny's leading law firm. See a full list of our services at pkhl.ie. Joined in studio for the Friday panel today, Deputy Jennifer Manen O'Connor of Fianna Fáil and Jim Mulhall, Chair of the Kilkenny IFA. Uh, Jennifer, uh, obviously you have a car to get around town and get about your business. Uh, has your car got the capability? Here you go. Apologies for asking this question without actually saying it to you in advance to track your sex life. Because apparently these cars that can listen to us now, you know, where you might say, um, hey, tune the radio to KCLR, for example, and it does the thing. Drivers have been warned that their cars could be tracking data on their sex lives, philosophical beliefs, and even their union membership based on the conversations that are happening in the cars while the car is sitting there listening to you. You need to be careful what you're talking about. Absolutely. Well, that's the first I've heard of that now, I have to tell you. So, yeah, but no, I wasn't it does pose a serious question. I mean, like, in terms of, you know, we all know that you've got phones that you can talk to. Well, that means the phone is listening because it has to be listening to hear you talking in the first place. Uh, would you be concerned with that 
and the evolution of things like artificial intelligence that we need to, I mean, Commissioner Mon is now in there obviously regulating the whole industry. It's a big concern, isn't it? Yeah, look, I think everything is changing. The whole world is changing, I think, now. And I know I just have the radio tome, you know. I go, hey, Google. <laughs> See, Google <laughs> hey, is yeah, Hey, Google, play KCLR radio. Oh, thank you very That's much. That's the only one ever on, I'll tell that. you now. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I do think we are changing. I think the whole future is ch- changing. I think we are going to be going um, more modern. I think, you know, eventually the talk is that even working now will eventually be computers and surely even look to go into a shop now. You have to nearly serve yourself if you go into a supermarket. <laughs> Isn't it like you just yeah. go, like I know they still have the odd till there, but I see myself going in even now, all this modern technology in shops where you go in and you scan your own things, you put them in the bag, you put them in the basket. Now that's a concern and it, it's a concern yeah. in the sense that are we going to be losing jobs to modern technology? And it's, well, I heard it's that, and I'm going to get the details of it wrong, but it'll give you the premise of it, that um, in the 1940s, 60% of the jobs that people do today didn't even exist. Yeah. You know, So it just goes to show how the workforce changes. Jim, tractors, farming's obviously gone high-tech as well. Uh, would you be concerned about sitting in your cab giving out about <laughs> local politicians? And, and if my, uh, if, track you, Jim. If my, just say if my car could talk, uh, I'd say there'd be a lot of people, if my car could tell the stories, uh, there'd be a lot of people's ears writing about the people I'd be giving out about. But yeah, look at, I mean, we, we're all familiar with this uh, AI and the, and the data and, you know, um, I read somewhere that uh, like the you know supermarkets, if you were buying folic acid, you know if people are if young women are buying folic acid, well then like the data shows that this family are trying for a baby and they start pushing uh, pushing yeah. products towards them, and that's the way it works. Like I mean, data like the way data collaborates. So you say, hey Google, you know mm. uh, play KCLR, and and if you're looking up stuff, like it's no coincidence everybody has seen it. Say you're thinking about buying your garden furniture and you're googling, yeah. and Facebook starts. Well, we've all stuff. experienced it when you've yeah, yeah, yeah. we're just so, talking about that. Yeah. It's a bit creepy, but and just to give you an idea, right? This particular mm. report was uh, carried out by non-profit Mozilla Foundation, and they reckon the value of the data yeah. industry by 2030 will be worth 750 billion euros globally per year. Yeah, yeah like it's, it's the new oil. It, it is, yeah. Data is the new yeah, oil because it, is, yeah. it gives, I mean, yeah. this, this is probably where the GDPR piece is, which yeah. frustrates us all. This is where some of it uh, came from as well. So mm. the value of it, and we have to put a value, even on my own farm, I mean, we so we have a good bit of tech on the farm with, you know, with milking robots and all that kind of stuff. And we often wonder, like, who owns the data? Like, so sort of my cow is producing the milk, but do I own my own data that my cows are producing? <laughs> and, you know, but there yeah. is, it's, it's like, so there is a question marks around that as well. But yeah, so who's listening? Sometimes just as well, nobody's <laughs> quite, o- quite often. Yeah. Not the people that you want to be listening. Yeah. 100%. Uh, I'm glad you said it. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. how it brings it nearly That's full circle. That's why you're outside the room. Yeah. Um, listen, Jim, obviously the Ploughing Championship's coming up. My second time at the Ploughing Championship's in a couple of weeks' time. I've already been invited around to the IFA tent. It's a fabulous celebration. Yeah, look at it. It is, and that is the word. It's a celebration of of agriculture, and I'm tired of saying it. The value of agriculture to the Irish economy uh, is is huge. Um, and um, I only I was only chatting to somebody yesterday, and we were talking about the fact that you know, so every pro- every bit of produce that farmers produce to get money for it, which is all spent in the local economy. Whereas mm. you take it, whilst it's fantastic and it's been built across the road for me, so Abbott are building a huge new plant mm, yeah. up here, just outside, uh, just outside the town, up uh, as I said, right across the road for me, and like that's a multinational company, and the profits from that go offshore. Yeah. Whereas agriculture 
is all ploughed back into love. He's still beating that drum, And I always think, I mean, it, it's interesting, like, you know, to see that the likes of yourself, and I say that with the greatest respect, are now going to the ploughing and you see the fanfare and, and everything that's associated with agriculture and the agricultural industry. And it does kind of urbanise agriculture a little bit that people can actually go oh, and yeah, see it. Oh yeah, I think it. it's brilliant. I, I walked in there last year for the first time and was shocked and amazed. It's a wow factor. But, oh, 100%. Yeah. You know, I was like, what I actually found myself thinking is, and I know everybody within the agri community would certainly know about it, and indeed everybody yes, within the political course, yeah, community do, yeah. would know about it. But I found myself going, how do more people not know about yeah, this thing? It's yeah, just yeah. massive. But, it, but isn't it great to see NMA who started this reading? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you have to pay tribute to them because herself and her daughter, like they have put invested so much in this, but it's an event. I know farmers uh, like Jim and them would know farmers. It's their holiday for the year. Yeah. They go, they spend the, the days there, they they buy, like, you, you know, you have different products, you can buy anything in it now. Yeah. You get you get the best of uh, food and you have the best of music and everybody's learning. But yeah. the, I just think the money that invests in Ireland, the money that it brings in, the money like that the farmers, um, you know, can bring their machinery, they can try and sell their machinery or whatever product they have. I just think, you know, we are so lucky and we have had the world's ploughing here like so many times the Eamon Tracy's I mean how many yeah. of our farmers have ah, it's absolutely it's much excelled more, I think the ploughing itself although it's obviously highly competitive is only the framework that the whole absolutely. event now hands on yeah. listen it's been an absolute pleasure having you both in I'm sure you'll both come and visit us we're at Stand 555 when it comes to the ploughing I can't remember the row number but Stand 555 you'll come and find us for sure no doubt our Friday panel this week Deputy Jennifer Manen O'Connor Alfina Fall and Jim Mulhall Chair of Kilkenny OFA that brings us to the end of today's show thanks to all of the team for all of the help all week Edna Quirk producing Siobhan on the phones everybody looking after social media and everything else John Keane is up after 12 um, it's the weekend look after yourselves and enjoy it KCL or live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card the perfect gift for all occasions see fairgreen.ie